Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды. Да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество, все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего. Пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым. Позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец, Сын, Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Let us talk of all this. 
And so before we continue to submerge into our inheritance, this is the great treasure that has no limit of, in price uh, or measure. Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And for us as partakers of the body of Christ to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit and what is necessary to be done from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can put on the new way or form of life. Ephesians 4:22 through 24 that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so this is a promise that was to be fulfilled in the last days because in the days of Apostle Paul, we don't see that someone was dressed into the new person. The new person, if a person was able to be dressed into the new person, his body would immediately be transformed. It would be, it would remain that body though of earth, but it would be that the elements of of uh, aging would be destroyed. He would be dressed into eternal life, into the new person. And Apostle Paul wrote about this, spoke about this, but the church of that time was not yet mature spiritually. Don't think that what was in the first church, that it was in such perfection, because some think that way, that the first apostolic church, the first apostolic church was a, a 
spiritual children and they did not yet mature spiritually and we see how how disappointed the apostles were God was not able to the, give to the apostles because of the church the church was not ready and the apostle himself was not able to be dressed into the new person independent from the church they needed to grow the church into such a level into such maturity that they would be able to Luke, John, P, uh, Apostle Paul they were ready but the church was not ready there was conflicts uh, and all kinds of things happening and the practicing of the gifts of the Holy Spirit was uh, the priority but the fruits of the Spirit was absent and so this place of scripture needs to be fulfilled if the Holy Spirit said these words then he didn't just say them he intended that these things be fulfilled he desires this he wants this and to fulfill this command as we know we need to utilize three charging and fundamental verbs to put off be renewed and put on that is you put off the former way of life of the old man or old self to be renewed in the spirit of our mind everything God will do uh, through us he will do with the renewed mind and only with the renewed mind renewed mind we're able to put on the new person We've noted that your decision regarding these three destiny-impacting questions will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or vessel of wrath, or more specifically, will the completion of our salvation happen, that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it and our names be forever blotted out of the book of life? In a specific format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the question, what conditions are we to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. <clears throat> so that by faith, the faith of the heart, the confessions of your mouth, that would be able to be the faith of your heart, dress ourselves into this new person. The faith of the heart needs to be in accordance to this new person. These principles you need to receive, grow them in, in yourself. And in regards to closing ourselves into our new person, we came to the conclusion <clears throat> that we need God's help, that is, we need His mercy, without which nothing can happen, because the mercy of God is the great and unique power of God, identifying the essence of God <clears throat> as well as the inheritance prepared for man, born from the seed of the word of truth. <clears throat> <clears throat> the means of receiving any kind of help from God or receiving God's mercy is prayer or worship. Since prayer isn't just how a man communicates with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven, a tool that activates the given law or legislation of God, man gives heaven this right so that heaven may intervene upon the earth. And we can possess the right that activates the given law of God only upon His established conditions. That is, in our dedication to God, our inner state <clears throat> is the same as the inner state or inner essence of God. One of the prayers of David, written in the 143rd Psalm, accurately reveals the conditions upon which a man is called to give God the right to interlope or interject God's mercy into his life. 
This has been the component of our continual study. Psalm 143, 1 and lower. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness. Do not enter into your judgment with your servant. For in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. <clears throat> Therefore, to be heard by God, David needed to present to God a basis, a cause, or a particular right that would serve, be able to serve as sufficient evidence before God so that God can intervene in David's life with his faithfulness and his righteousness. And such evidence in this particular prayer, as we already know, were ten arguments that David presented to God saying, Hear me. Hear my prayer in your faithfulness and your righteousness. Hear my prayer because I meditate that on the days of old and meditate on all your works. Hear my prayer because I spread out my hands to you. Hear my prayer for in you do I trust. Hear my prayer because I lift up my soul to you. Hear me because in you I take shelter. Hear me for you are my God. Hear me for your namesake. Hear me for your righteousness sake and hear me for I am your servant. In the previous services, we had already studied the nature of the first argument. This was evidence that David abided in faithfulness and righteousness, that gave God the lawful right to stand on the side of David in his opposition against his enemies and stop to study the second question. Second argument, evidence David presented in prayer that he abided in the memories of the days of old and all the deeds that God had done in those days that were also written upon the tablets of his heart. This form of evidence presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest is an example of continual remembrance or a continual memorial before God contain, containing the component of continual prayer. And the breastplate of judgment was created for one purpose, and this was the Urim and the Thummim. <clears throat> the presence of these two allowed God to hear man and allowed man to hear God. Therefore, to be heard by God in the revelation of his Urim, it is necessary to keep within your mind the works of God, that is his Thummim, that God had done in the days of old. Answering the second question, what purpose has the breastplate of judgment as a component of continual remembrance within the relationship of a redeemed person and God himself? We came to the conclusion that 
The breastplate of judgment as an item of continual remembrance before God is a sacral symbol of the formal or format of continual prayer. Therefore, prayer that is not in accordance to the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called prayer. <clears throat> because only the format of continuous prayer presented in the breastplate of the of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to enter into the holy place as kings and priests of God. Not possessing the virtues of a king and a priest, we will be unable to present the interests of the judgments of God in accordance to those commandments and statutes that identify the union of teachings of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, in the twelve precious stones and the twelve names of the sons of Jacob written upon those stones. <clears throat> Apostle Paul presented 12, <clears throat> uh, the 12 stones, there's a breastplate of judgment, and he uh, explained this breastplate of judgment in this way, Colossians 4.2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Uh, continuing or continuity in prayer identifies a joyously burning lamp, identifying the condition of the righteous heart of a man. This specific uh, component, this breastplate of judgment, is a continual memorial before God, <clears throat> if we can remember. And again, we remember, again, that this is a joyously burning lamp identifying the condition of the righteous heart of a man. Proverbs 13.9, the light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. And so the lamp of the Lord is the spirit of man, and so that is a a person that is God's. The unclean can't have a spirit that is the lamp of the Lord. The building order of the breastplate of judgment presents and identifies the demands of spirit and truth that the true worshipers of God need to have whom God seeks. The Lord still has not found rest. He's still seeking them. Some people think that God is already in his rest. He is in rest. He is in peace when he speaks with the words of eternity, when he calls the not existent as existent. But in time, God continues to still seek those worshipers that would be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. Here's what Jesus said about this. John 4, 23, 24, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> and again, I want to remind us that these unique words Jesus spoke to the woman, Samaritan woman, that was at the well. The apostle, apostles were not present when he spoke these words. He, They came when all these words were already said. How did they know about these words? The Holy Spirit reminded them, revealed to them what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well. Worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth includes not peddling with the truth when pursuing the goals that God has placed in Scripture, as people have done in all times and many do today, because of their stiff neck, greed, and their hypocrisy. We note that in the Septuagint, Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the breastplate of judgment, is called the sign of justice, as by the means of the Urim and the Thummim that is contained in the breastplate of judgment, God revealed to man his judgment. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment reveals a conscience of a man purified from dead works, upon the tablets of whom, just as is signed, the teaching of Jesus Christ in the flesh is written. In this way, the conscience that is purified of dead works, with the imprinted faithfulness and righteousness upon its 
tablets, will identify the nature of a true worshiper and based upon faithfulness and righteousness, will give God the right to act through them upon them pl upon planet Earth. It's these kinds of worshipers that the Heavenly Father seeks for Himself. In a specific format, we had already studied the measurements and the nature of materials from which the breastplate of judgment is supposed to be built, that we need to be in accordance to and now have been studying the next requirement which states, and you shall put settings of stones in it, four rows of stones. The first row shall be sardius, topaz, and emerald. They shall be the first row. The second row shall be turquoise, sapphire, and diamond. Third row, jacinth, agate, and amethyst. And the fourth row, beryl, onyx, and jasper. They shall be set in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engraving of a sign, each one with its own name. They shall be according to the, to the twelve tribes. Exodus 28, 17 through 21. We note that the twelve golden filigree settings of the breastplate of judgment is the living, undamaged, and presented in its original form, truth, upon the tablets of our heart, identified as the word of God that at one point came out of the mouth of God. Therefore, the twelve golden settings identified the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, that we as worshipers of God are called to present in our continual prayer. <clears throat> the twelve precious stones with engraved upon them as a sign at names of the sons of Israel is a symbol and format of our continual prayer, presenting the perfect judgment of God. From this we can see that it wasn't the golden settings, being the truth of the word of God, that were prepared and, and adjusted in measurement and configuration for the precious stones, but the precious stones were the ones which were, these being our prayers, were the ones that were adjusted and configured to fit the golden settings of truth. Continual prayer in the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the twelve names is a persisting prayer that in its intercession presents the interests of God and does not sway away or step away Away from the goal we have until we receive what we ask for. The building of the breastplate of judgment contains not just the same measurements and nature of materials, but also the methods and means that are called to identify the nature of continual prayer necessary for reaching the goals that God has placed for us to build the kingdom of heaven within our heart, which <coughs> is also identified as the tree of life. <coughs> Growing the tree of life within your heart is building yourself up into a new person, created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth, into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. With this we will remember that all the beauty and order of the temple was built for one holy item and for the sake of one holy item. This was the golden ark of the covenant. <coughs> The same thing with the ephod of the high priest, with the connected to it breastplate of judgment. It was created for and served only one holy item. This item very accurately was called to duplicate and fulfill the function of the golden ark. This was the Urim and the Thummim. Because the golden ark of the covenant as well as the breastplate of judgment symbolize from different angles and with various purposes the conscience of a man that is cleansed from dead works. The Urm and the Thummim in Hebrew means light and perfection, light and the right, or revelation and truth. <clears throat> revelation is light as well. 
For example, the Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant is the truth, and this truth upon the breastplate of judgment is the Thummim. The revelation that a person could receive at the mercy seat or the lid of the Ark is the Urim in the breastplate of judgment. <clears throat> and so only a person who has a conscience cleansed from dead works or a wise heart upon which the truth in the form of the Thummim is imprinted can be a worshiper of God. The revelation of God, also known as his Urim, can function only within the boundaries of truth. This truth within the heart of a person is the Thummim, the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. As it is written, Exodus 31, 6, I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Practically, it's talking about the quality and friendship of two formats of wisdom that are contained in the Thummim and the Urim, and about the fact that carriers of the Urim and the Thummim are true worshippers of God and possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11, and of Levi he said, Levi means binded to that that is binded to the Holy Spirit, binded to God. He himself binded himself in accordance to God's conditions. And of Levi he said, Let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa and with whom you have contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children, for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the works of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. This is how the Lord cares for those holy people that possess the qualities of Levi they, that are binded to God. They binded themselves to the Holy Spirit and are led by the Holy Spirit. With this we note that the future of men that say of themselves that they belong to the chosen by God nation, however that they confront the carriers of the Thummim and the Urim and hate them because they themselves do not have the Thummim and the Urim, their future is the lake of fire burning with fire and brimstone. In a specific format, we have already looked at the first five qualities of a warrior in prayer in the first five precious stones of the breastplate of judgment by which God is able to continuously reveal his will upon planet earth and stop to study the sixth quality of the precious stone this is the diamond stone we know that the sixth name upon the precious stone of the, of the breastplate of judgment of our heart is the name of the sixth son of Jacob Naphtali which means wrestler and Rachel's maid Milha conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With a great wrestling, I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. So one who is great in wrestlings and can reach his goals in prayer. We note that the diamond is a brilliant stone, it's a pure carbon, and so that is why it contains great hardness and resistance. The word brilliant does not apply to any other stone except for the brilliant shine and polish of a diamond. According to the Jewish rabbinate, the name of God we see revealed in the precious diamond stone in Hebrew is El Hai, which when translated means God is alive. 
Therefore, based on the definitions of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone, we can conclude that the function of the sixth principle, identifying the nature of a continual prayer, with which we need to be a continual memorial before God, is our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battles against the powers of hell which confront us when we fulfill the will of God by the name of the living God. Jeremiah 10.10, 10, But the Lord is the true God, He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. The name of the living God is a format of an oath. And the category of the nation that had not learned to swear by the living God or swore falsely were completely and utterly destroyed. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. And it shall be if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name, if they will not learn carefully to the ways of my people and swear by my name as the Lord lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, that they shall be established, then I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. The Lord says, this is my people, but I will destroy them if they will not swear by my name and will only leave those who will swear by my name. Therefore, to not be completely eradicated and eliminated by the wrath of the living God, it is necessary to learn the ways of the nation of God, to swear by the name of God El Hai or by the living God. And these ways are the paths of the commandments and statutes of God, the conditions that give us the right to learn the ways of the paths of God, His commandments and statutes, to swear by the name of the living God. We is the requirement to thirst to know them. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes. I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Psalm 119, 32-35 <clears throat> We note that in Hebrew, El Hai, the living God, means one who is abiding, one who is, with unconditional authority, one who defines Genesis, creates a Genesis, holds a Genesis, keeps a Genesis, rules over, governs a Genesis, and commander and lord of the Genesis. Deuteronomy 10, 20 through 21, You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve Him, and to Him you shall hold fast and take oath in His name. He is your praise, He is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Deuteronomy 10, 20, 21. The result of swearing by the name of the living God was always the fulfillment of the promise of God for the sake of which the oath was made. The power of a warrior in prayer contained within the quality of the name of the living God is called to present the unlimited power of God over Genesis allotted by Him for us time and boundaries. This is why it was necessary for us to determine what goal does God have in His intentions when He urges and calls His children to become warriors in prayer, and in what way and upon what conditions is God able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man may present the interests of God and implement or actualize his inheritance in God. Per the definitions provided in Scripture, to be a warrior in prayer is the lawful and privileged inheritance of holy men of all time. This is their primary or first most purpose that is revealed in their calling, to trample upon uncleanness and the unclean in their prayer battles. 
This is one of the greatest positions that is gifted by God to man, in which a person becomes a king and a priest to God and is seen by God as a brilliant stone or the diamond stone with the name of Naphtali. Not being a king and a priest to God in the virtue of which a person is able to reign with his informational organ over his emotional organ, it is impossible to be a warrior in prayer. The prayer of a warrior in prayer is a sacral or holy mystery that has an unearthly genesis, therefore is inaccessible to the comprehension of the human mind or with human abilities. Only a renewed mind is able to comprehend the mysteries of prayer. We more than once note that by its nature the genesis of prayer is the genesis of God. Therefore, the genesis of prayer, as well as the genesis of God, does not have a beginning and does not have an end. Prayer always has always been a mystery of God Himself. Prayer is a language of God, identifying the essence of God and identifying the Word of God that identifies the genesis of God Himself. Prayer has always been the mystery of God as it has always existed in His presence, as His golden scepter of favor that He stretched forth to the one that would seek His face in performing His will. If, however, anyone dared come to him upon his own conditions, not being called into his presence, then God's golden scepter of favor was not stretched out to the one asking and resulted in this person's prayer being unheard by God because this person spoke not in the language of God. His prayers were not in accordance to the language of God, the prayer that God would like to hear. That is why it was not called prayer. As it is written now, we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him, John 9.31. In accordance to this place of scripture, God becomes the initiator of prayer in the situation that a warrior in prayer, in the virtue of his worshiper, begins to pray in accordance to his will. Because the right to come close to and stand before God in prayer is the exclusive prerogative of God. No one will be able to or will dare by himself to come closer approach God, the God that desires to abide in darkness or mystery or in the unapproachable light. <clears throat> Jeremiah 30:21-22 Their noble shall be from among them, and their governor shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me? Says the Lord, you shall be my people, and I will be your God. <clears throat> In accordance to this prophetic revelation, we can see that approaching or entering into God is the task of one governor that comes from the nation seed of Abraham, his only son, the son of God, in the status of the son of man, by whom and in whom any born from God and seeking God can come near to and enter into God, only in him and through him. That is why from all of the existing forms of service, continual prayer leading a person into the presence of God is the most difficult form of service that most Christianity, for the most part, avoids, forsakes, and refuses. 1 Timothy 1.18 This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the pro prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. 
to define and build a clear and orderly for us system that will help us understand the nature of continual prayer in the signs identifying a warrior in prayer that would be able to be based on specific commandments of God giving man the lawful right to swear by the name of the living God. <clears throat> based upon the revelations written in scripture our prayer in the quality of a warrior in prayer identified by the virtues of the diamond needs to be continual, persistent, diligent with boldness, with reverence, with revealing or expressing of the faith of your heart, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, in the Holy Spirit, or praying in tongues. We need to note that each of the ten listed righteous qualities are present in each other. Come one from the other, strengthen one the other, complete one the other, and identify the truthfulness of one the other. In other words, each of the ten listed qualities are existent in balance in each of the other nine. Therefore, the truthfulness of each of the qualities is determined by the presence of the other qualities that together united make up a wonderful balance and perfect in knowledge. Nevertheless, each of the ten qualities has its own face, its unrepeated and inherent only to it taste, color, odor and character of behavior and as a result has its own exclusive and specific application and its own specific purpose in a specific format we have already looked at the signs of the first five qualities included in prayer as well as the state of a warrior in prayer identifying the atmosphere of his heart and stop to study the sixth quality within the nature of a warrior in prayer this is faith we note that in scripture the character and virtue that is included in the word faith is prescribed as a commandment, as a prescription without deviations, and as an urgent military command in our prayers. If this command that is to be fulfilled without deviations is not fulfilled when we confront the organized powers of hell, this is described according to scripture as a final break or disruption of your relationship with God, which also equals vengeance of the second death. Faith as a virtue and atmosphere of the born spirit also takes part in the state of the heart of the one who is praying, that is called to be present in all that a person does with diligence and from the soul. Continual prayer is a demonstration of faith and has an unearthly genesis. Although it is done within the boundaries of time and captures all of time, it is out of the boundaries of time and governs the time. To better understand the meaning or significance of the element of faith, we selected as a foundation for our learning four aspects that would be able to determine the essence that is contained in the quality and character of faith, to see the unconditional requirement of its presence in our prayer life with God. These are defining the essence and purpose of faith, the price for obtaining faith, keeping and developing faith, the fruits and rewards for the fruit of faith. But first I will once again with list the antonyms or opposite qualities of prayer that we have been studying because having the background of the antonyms of each quality, we will better and more clearly see the quality and character of the real qualities of prayer. The antonym of continual is unfaithful or not continuing. The antonym of persistent is resistant. The antonym of diligent is lazy. The antonym of boldness is audacity. The antonym of reverence is forsaking and hating. The antonym of faith of God is unbelief and resistance to the faith of God. Psalm 50:16. But to the wicked God says, What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? 
Therefore, the sixth sign of a warrior in prayer identifying within the breastplate of judgment the precious diamond with the name of Naphtali is faith of a warrior in prayer that comes from and is based or founded on listening to the word of God that comes out of the mouth of God by his delegated leaders that are dressed into the power of the Holy Spirit to be the lips or mouth of God. Second Chronicles 36, 15, 16, and the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to, the, to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Defining the essence and meaning that is included in the word faith as in the rest of the qualities of prayer is directly dependent on the quality of our obedience to the will of God. An absence, absence of faith in your continual prayer is valued in scripture as a stiff-necked disobedience and defiance of the will of God that is identified as a particular resistance against God. Therefore, first question, what is the essence and purpose of faith in the prayer life of a warrior in prayer? We brought forth one of the places spoken by the Son of God that has gained the status of the chief cornerstone and building of our faith. Mark 11:23. have the faith of God for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Having the faith of God within your heart in the seed of the preached word of the truth of the faith of God becomes our faith, just like as the staff of Moses that he cast to the ground by the command of God, the staff became a serpent, and afterwards by the command of God, after Moses took it by the tail, it became a staff again, and now was called the staff of God. Further, looking at his command, we note that we can, we can and are called to remove by faith and cast into the sea of oblivion only those mountains that are in our way of fulfilling the will of God and that stand specifically within the bounds boundaries of our personal responsibility. The key phrase in this place of scripture in the commanding form of the phrase have in regards to the faith of God there's a specific rarity, wide semantics and practically is taken from the format of military lexicon. Therefore, sounds, it sounds not as an offer, not, as, a, not a, as advice or an alternative to something, but as a military command, as a command of a beginner and perfecter of the faith of God. So the command to have the faith of God is elevated to an unearthly command, one to be fulfilled without deviations, one that is, if not obeyed, will not be able, you will not be able to please God Therefore, these commands need to be received to, by us as an extreme and critical necessity. Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so there's a faith that demons have as well, but it's a demonic faith. They also fear and tremble, but God's fear have these qualities as reverence and diligence. The devil doesn't have those qualities. He knows God is and he's afraid because of his power. Therefore, they need to trust God in his words and to seek God in his word as well as in, his, in your spirit by itself is already the collaboration of our faith with the faith of God. And from the other side is pleasing God. It's significant that the commanding phrase have the faith of God in Hebrew means have among you a list of the characteristics of the faith of God. 
rewrite the scroll of perspectives of the faith of God upon your heart. Always attend to the meaning of the faith of God. Reason about her consistency or what it contains. Focus your attention upon her. Speak or describe her benefits or advantages. Reveal her in your works and deeds. Be vigilant and stand guard of her interests. Keep her as the apple of your eye. Love her essence. Submit yourself to her commands. Tremble before her greatness. Revere in her presence. Be bold with her in your prayers. Govern with her upon the rights of possession of property. Possess her in her wholeness. Pay the price of learning to know her. Spend the time to possess her. Practice her in all aspects of your life. Develop her impact upon all aspects of your life. Eat her or consume her as the bread of life and drink her as the water of life. Express patience when waiting for her revelations. Make the personal decision to walk in her paths or her ways. Prepare yourself to fulfill her commands without deviation. Strive to go forward to her honors and her calling. Spend the energy to possess her as your personal inheritance. Be bold for her, right to be the ruler of your life. Never turn your back to her commandments. Considering such a multifunctional, multipurpose, and diverse list of active specifications of having the faith of God, we need to again and again first always remember or renew in our mind the knowledge we have about faith to prompt our clear thinking and hold or keep it in a state of continual activeness. Second, anchor, deepen, widen, and utilize this knowledge in your walk in faith in God. In a specific format, we have already studied the first question and linked to it specific definitions and purposes of the faith of God, as well as the faith of man. And to sum up the previously studied materials and unite them with the new materials, I will shortly remind us of the essence of the definitions and purposes of our faith that are called to collaborate with the faith of God. First, the faith of God in the true, in the virtues of the Urim and the Thummim, that are identified as the Word of God that comes out of the mouth of God is the essence of God Himself, covered from surrounding eyes that by the will of God is contained <clears throat> in three places, in the entrails of God, in the treasury of the Holy Scriptures, and in the heart of a person in the likeness of God, a humble and contrite heart. Second, the faith of God in the virtue of the Word of God that comes out of His mouth is the absolute truth of God. <clears throat> Third, the faith of God and the virtue of the word of God that comes out of his mouth is the imperishable seed of the word of God called to fertilize and inculate the kingdom of heaven within the heart of a man. Fourth, the faith of God and the virtue of the word of God that comes out of the mouth of God is a phenomenon of the transcendent sovereignty of God, identifying the character of holiness in God himself. The faith of God and the virtue of the word of God that comes out of his mouth is the unbending and unchanging goal orientation or purpose of God. The faith of God in the virtue of the word of God that comes out of his mouth is the undiminishing treasure of God placed upon our account or lot in the format of inheritance that is contained in the work of the redemption of God. The faith of God in the virtue of the word of God that comes out of his mouth is the eternal, unsearchable, uncountable, omni omnipotent, and inexhaustible energy potential potential of God. The step or level of our faith depends from the level of obedience of our faith to God's faith. <clears throat> God's faith and our faith. God's faith is the word that we hear. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 
Our faith is called to grow so that it can be in the perfection of the faith of God. The faith of God is perfect. It does not need to grow. The level of obedience of our faith to the faith of God or the word of God that comes out of the mouth of God depends on the level of our dedication to God. The level of our dedication to God depends on the level of our spiritual growth. And so now our faith, our faith is a unique program system identified as a genetic organ capable of reading all information, carry it in itself and pass it on to others. Our faith as a gatherer and carrier of information is our sovereignty identifying our essence. Our faith is willing obedience to the information we receive together with the work of our wise and willing choice with the following decision. Our faith is a unique saturator or diluter of received by us information, identifying the atmosphere of our spirit. Our faith in specific situations is a carrier and producer of the seed of information. Our faith is the quality of the ovary that is able to be fertilized by the seed of various nature of information. And our faith is the great eternal and energetic potential, one that does not diminish or decrease. Therefore, <clears throat> now let's look at the second question. What is the price for constructing or promoting the faith of God in your heart? And what conditions are we required to fulfill for constructing, growing, and establishing our faith in the faith of God? I will bring forth seven conditions, although there are many more of them. Fulfilling these conditions will be the price we pay for constructing, growing, and establishing our faith in the faith of God. The first condition for constructing, promoting, growing, and establishing our faith in the faith of God is our hope in the future. 1 Corinthians 15.9 If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. <coughs> you see, hope, it is always uh, linked to the future, not with the present. Hope has nothing to do with what is on earth. It is not uh, linked to the gifts of the Holy Spirit or anointing. It's, it's not in regards to these things. It is only for the future that needs to be revealed within us. It is linked to the resurrection of Jesus Christ with the new body that we are to be dressed into because all the rest belongs to the earth and these are only heavenly and imperishable things. Colossians 1, 21 through 23 And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel with you, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul became a minister of hope and the good news. So he preaches the good news of hope. <clears throat> if we have this hope in the future, then we will grow. This is the price for us to be able to grow in faith. This is the price for being able to promote this faith and the growth and establishing of it as well. Romans 15:13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> 
Second condition for constructing, promoting, growing, and establishing our faith in the faith of God is obedience to the good word preached that we receive not by wise and persuasive words, but the demonstration of the Spirit's power. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, 5 And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What does it mean here, the power of God? The power of God is the anointed by God word, because the word of God is power. And this, by the word, God created all things. Some people think that power is a supernatural signs and miracles. The supernatural uh, signs and miracles are done by the word. God created everything by his word. He holds everything with his word and and the faith of God is in the word. Faith is by hearing the word. And so Apostle Paul here talks about the power of the Word of God, that your faith be established not in human wisdom, but the demonstration of the Spirit, the Word of God that comes out of the mouth of God, that we preach. That is what Apostle Paul meant. Acts 6-7 confirms this, Then the Word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Why did they become obedient to the faith? Because the word of God was growing, because the word of God is power. (coughs) If the church would be able to understand and value the word of God and place it first, and a priority, but the word of God is not first, prophecies, all kinds of miracles and signs, These are the priority for most of the church today. The word of God, they don't love. It is not needed. They don't believe in the word. They want to have supernatural abilities as any worldly person wants to have supernatural abilities. But the word of God possesses these supernatural abilities. But the church does not understand this or comprehend it because the preachers that preach, they do not have this word in themselves and do not know how, what it is. They attempt with their mind to interpret the thoughts of God and are under a great curse themselves and those who listen to them when a person places his God equal to God's attempting with his mind to interpret God's thoughts then God destroys such a person and those listeners who listen to such a person the word of God can be interpreted only by a person sent by God inspired by the Holy Spirit and the revelations of the Holy Spirit only that one can read the word of God and see the correct meaning And the children of God can have the anointing that will give them the ability to know that person and that voice. But unfortunately, many don't use this anointing and have buried it in in themselves because they don't understand what a prophet is and what the prophecies are. Right now, we're not talking about that, but about faith that needs to be present in prayer and about its price, what is necessary, what price is to be paid to so that the faith of God would be able to be constructed in our heart and grow in our heart. We need the Word of God 
Third condition for constructing, promoting, growing, and establishing our faith in the faith of God is the testing of our faith by all kinds of trials. If we want for our faith to grow and increase and be established, we need to pay the appropriate price so that God would test our faith. 1 Peter 1, 3-9 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again for to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to, re to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. Our faith, <coughs> and so our faith is obedience to the faith of God. <coughs> and so, as it says here, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genius of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found in praise, honor, glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, you believe, you rejoice with joy, <coughs> inexpressible and full of glory, received, <coughs> receiving the end of your faith. Many people in trials and tests, they break, they are tempted and they leave. But those who have built their foundation upon a strong uh, place or upon the rock will hold. And so the price for the growth of our faith is <clears throat> the ability to test yourself or give God the ability to test you. <clears throat> Fourth condition for constructing, promoting, growing, and establishing our faith <clears throat> in the faith of God is faith in the resurrection from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 13-17 But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. So pretty much it is in vain, empty meaning in vain, our preaching and your, if there's no resurrection. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. <coughs> You know that today there is a teaching that exists in the churches that resurrection has already happened and we don't need to wait for any kind of resurrection, any kind of coming. We don't need to wait for it. I'm surprised when they people give uh, these kind of men uh, the ability to preach. I excluded a, such a man from our church once. once and he directly says there will not be any rapture of any kind. Uh, no resurrection, no rapture. This person goes against resurrection. This is one who has stepped away from God. And with this, this person being excluded, the person that was excluded for the surrounding churches was is, is a symbol of truth. They announced us as heretics and and 
think and of themselves as those that possess the truth. But the time will soon finish and God will show who serves him and who doesn't. He will show the true synagogue of God and the gathering of Satan. Galatians 3.23-29 But before faith come, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In other words, we need to look at ourselves as a male and a female. There is no male or female gender. If there's no male or female gender, then we need to treat ourselves, we need to treat our sister the same as our brother and allow sisters to serve in the church in any kind of services. She can be an evangelist and a pastor and, other, and do other services. All depends on who God chooses and who God allows to give the word. Who gives the, God doesn't give all brothers the word. He only gives some. But they don't force the brothers to wear uh, all kinds of uh, coverings and cloths upon their heads, but they force the women to do this. And I believe those uh, that in other churches where they are required to wear these, some of the sisters know the scriptures better than those brothers that preach. But those who brothers think that they are higher. Uh, and that their mind works better than the, sister, the sisters of the church. And the church has uh, brought this very uh, uh, thought and this, uh, this thing into the world, and the world, of course, uh, uh, they withstood this and confronted this, and, but before God, men and women are equal. Of course, between each other, they just have a different role. The world not understanding this, seeing that the church separated this way, they didn't like this, they said the women can fulfill that role as well. Uh, there's different roles for a man or a woman. Fifth condition for constructing, promoting, growing, and establishing our faith in the faith of God is the faith of God that sleeps within the heart of a man that we need to awaken. It's interesting, can the faith of God sleep within our heart? And how do we, we wake it up so that it be established within us? Let's read this place of scripture, Luke 8, 22 through 25. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, he is the leader of faith, he is the perfecter of faith, he is the word of God as well, Jesus. And it says, <clears throat> and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke, awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind. He would have continued to sleep, but he awoke because uh, he arose because they woke him up. And he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they and they ceased, and there was a calm. 
But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. He asked them, Where is your faith? Where is the place of the abiding of your faith? If your faith would be in me, in my faith, our faith needs to be in the faith of God. When it's in the faith of God, then we can easily wake up the faith of God. We see how David woke up the faith of God. Remember, O Lord, that I am your servant. Remember that I stretch out my hands to you. Remember, what did David do? This 143rd Psalm, <clears throat> this is the faith he's awakening in himself. He's saying, "Wake, uh, remember, O Lord, who you are for me and who I am for you. In the time of danger, we proclaim who God is for us and what he's done for us. In the time of jeopardy, uh, we wake our faith. And when we wake it, in our heart it, it arises, and great hope comes after this, and those difficulties that you had, they disappear, <clears throat> and other doors come, uh, open, and you walk out into, uh, and it's quiet. It's strange. Yesterday there was a hurricane, there was no hope, everything was dark, and now there's a quiet light and peace. That's what ha can happen or does happen with those whose faith is in the faith of God. This is what happens with them. He sits or he sleeps uh, in your upper chamber, in your room, and you have a ship and you are sailing and you have a direction. We will go to the other side, he said. We are going to the other side to him we're going sailing let us go to the other side symbolically and we're going there and when we're going there uh, storms uh, uh, come and confront our purpose or our so that our faith be destroyed so that we would experience a shipwreck in our faith but when you know that he is on your ship that he is there inside wake him up and tell him who he is for you and who you are for him and your faith will grow in that time in that moment second corinthians 13 5 examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith test yourselves examine yourselves do you not know yourselves that jesus christ is in you do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you and Jesus' faith is it in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Sixth condition for constructing, promoting, growing and establishing our faith in the faith of God is the personal presence of the delegation of God by, by whom God can fill whatever lacks in our faith. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 through 13. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now may your, our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And so it is necessary for the delegated person of God be present and he be seen 
and so that you may see my face to be able to perfect what is lacking in your faith. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another to all just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And so we see here that God sends his delegation, his people, and gives people the ability to see their face. From this place of scripture, we could see in it that not in every church can there be a delegated person of God that the delegated person of God can be one for many churches. The rest will be one who water. They'll take from the delegation of God and water. They will uh, study them. But it's necessary sometimes the personal presence of that person. And God gave the opportunity to, for the, to the people. So we pray so that we can come to you, he was saying. This is not sitting on a plane and coming or sit in a car. What we today uh, uh, travel uh, today by plane, these people needed to go with donkeys, with ships, with a lot of difficulty. And it took a lot of time. And Apostle Paul did it maybe, uh, uh, people that who saw it, Apostle Paul maybe saw him once or twice in their life. But he says to see, your faces. It's important that this be one of the components where the Lord gives us the opportunity and we have this opportunity to f see the face of each other. Seventh, condition for constructing, promoting, growing, and establishing our faith in the faith of God is unity of knowing the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh together with prayer in tongues. Jude one twenty and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Faith is the faith teaching, building yourself up in the, into a spiritual house, a, a holy priesthood, and keep yourselves in the love of God, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. <clears throat> it is impossible to keep yourself in the love of God and wait for mercy from the Lord, be long-suffering and persevere if we will not build ourselves into a holy house uh, in accordance to the teaching that we hear and if we will not at the same time pray in the Holy Spirit Apostle Paul says more than you I pray in tongues pray in tongues because with the mind you will not pray as much but if praying in tongues uh, from the Spirit some kind of information will be coming of who God is for you and you will in this moment say you are great you are mighty you are my beauty you are my hope you are my trust you are my healing and again speak in tongues and another phrase will come and you into your mind and then you pray those things uh, and uh, things will come into your mind while you're praying in tongues you will pray in spirit and you will pray in 
in your tongue, uh, allow the Holy Spirit, your spirit to pray with the Holy Spirit, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit or praying with the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to pray together with you. He can pray together with us when the Holy Spirit always reveals himself in the Word of God. As soon as you begin to pray about the Word of God or with the praying the Word of God, the Holy Spirit comes with this power and together you pray. It is very important that you re you remember that your faith will grow if you will pray in accordance to the will of God or the Word of God. And I, as I say, and I say, do this myself, take the Word of God and pray. As we right now study the 143rd Psalm, you could take any other Psalm, the first, 18th, or whatever, whatever one you want to. There are many of them, and all of these are prayers. You could take a place of Scripture of Prophet Isaiah or uh, the book of Apostle Paul of Ephesians that I pray and pray these prayers. And when you pray these prayers and pray in tongues and then pray those words of God again, the, the, the words of Scripture, and then tongues again, uh, your faith will grow. Your faith will not grow uh, in your own personal words and your fantasies, however beautiful it may seem. Lord, uh, bless you know these people or these people. You may say a lot of things, but... Um, <clears throat> People sometimes uh, pray and are called great, but these they, they, they are very religious people who pray uh, from their mind uh, and they don't use the scriptures and their faith does not grow. Second Peter 1, 10, 11. I will read this place once more. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everything comes from the Word. And right now I shortly would like to talk about the third question. What conditions are we required to fulfill to keep and increase faith in ourselves, with which we are called to enter into the tabernacle so we not die. If we enter without faith into the tabernacle, God will kill us, because in accordance to the revelations of Scripture, all that does not increase will decrease <clears throat> and will lose its power. I will go through seven items that outline the conditions of keeping and increasing our faith, although there are many more of them. The order in which I will bring them up does not have much significance because each of the components components are saturated or blended in the other and cannot express themselves without the other one. Considering that one of the definitions and purposes of our faith is to know the faith of God that is identified as the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. Knowing the faith of God presupposes an undeviating obedience to the faith of God. Therefore, first component in keeping and increasing our faith in the faith of God will depend on the presence of the faith of God in our heart in the format of a mustard Luke 17, 5, 6, and the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Luke 17, 5, 6. It's a very interesting place of scripture. 
I sometimes see how preachers attempt to take this place and explain it, but it's very comical because when a person does not know what it's talking about, when they don't know that the faith of man exists and the faith of God, that these are two separate things and two different things, and that our faith, as we talked about, the seven uh, definitions of our faith and the faith of God, how these those seven will work with the other seven, when a person doesn't know this, how can they understand the faith of God? Let me read another place <clears throat> about the uh, mustard seed. What did Jesus talk about here? If you would have faith as a mustard seed, Matthew 13, 31, 32, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And so this is the kingdom of heaven in this seed. If you would have received the kingdom of heaven in this seed, in this mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. When it's talking about the heavenly birds, it's talking about God's revelations, God's revelations that are covered in the branches, that nest in the branches of faith. When this mustard seed uh, is, uh, dies and grows and becomes a tree, it uh, grows branches where the, these uh, revelations of God can be. He meant the teaching of, of of the kingdom of heaven, not just salvation that people preach. Uh, he preached the kingdom of heaven. He said the kingdom of heaven has come. It has come in power in him, and he beca- began to preach about it. And he sent then the Holy Spirit, this power. The Holy Spirit is the power of the kingdom of heaven. He said if you had the faith of this mustard seed, or like a mustard seed, because the Holy Spirit will come and He will explain this word. He will take and show. Separately, the word does not work without the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit does not work without the word. They are always together. And when He talks about the faith uh, as a mustard seed, that means it has life and where there's life, there's the Holy Spirit. What He meant is the promise of the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit that we need to receive as the Lord and Master of our life, our faith will not be able to grow. If we received the mustard seed that that is the Holy Spirit, not as the Lord but as a guest, our faith will not grow. A guest has no right to do anything. Uh, When we receive and sow, you need to sow into the soil. The soil needs to be good. It needs to be prepared. That is, you need to prepare that you will yourself that you will obey the word of God that the delegated God person of God will speak this is how the Holy Spirit works that's how we will be familiar with the Holy Spirit when we speak in tongues and 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 so forth when we speak in tongues that's our spirit pre- praying the Holy Spirit is just a present and can give power but the Holy Spirit will not always give power to a person praying in tongues but only to that person that prays in accordance to the will of God it, in the right state of the heart that does not have bitterness in his heart and that it has not offended others if you've offended another person and he's upset at you uh, you lawfully upset somebody there's sometimes people uh, don't they get upset uh, without reason or the, the, the entire Sanhedrin 
Sanhedrin, uh, if you remember, was upset at Jesus. But if you offended your brothers, your husband, your children, your neighbor, uh, and you truly have offended them, you need to go ask <coughs> forgiveness. And so if you brought your gift and you remembered that you and your brother are not at peace, leave your gift there at the altar and go and make peace with your brother and then return. And you also need to forgive the offenders that have offended you. Forgive the uh, debts and other offenses that have been, maybe offenses that have been done. When we have this kind of heart, only then can we receive the faith at the kingdom of heaven as a mustard seed. Plant it and water it, and from it will grow this tree of life that will bear fruit 12 times. The second component in keeping and increasing our faith in the faith of God will depend on the factor of how we will work and take care of our Garden of Eden, or the soil of our heart, from deceiving rebellious thoughts, perverting or corrupting the teaching of Christ to benefit the flesh. The flesh is always attempting to find something in Scripture to be able to justify its desires or its will, and to clothe it in some kind of religious form. Uh, these evil, destructive desires are often dressed into religious garments. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 2.15-17, to tend and keep it. We know that the Garden of Eden is the place where God meets with man. This is the born spirit of a person. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. In this situation, the faith of God that is placed into the soil of our heart in the format of the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh identifies the atmosphere, consistency, and quality of our heart so that our heart and the faith of God that is placed into it would blend into each other or mix and become one whole. In result, the faith of God that is placed into our heart becomes our faith. And such blending or mixing, if it's not placed into our heart, it is not yet our faith, it is still God's faith. But when it is placed into our heart, we, we accept it and it begins to grow, then it becomes our faith. God, doesn't, God then sees it as our faith. And such blending or mixing of our heart with the faith of God gives God the right to call our heart wise or good. And these virtues in no way belittle each other or do not confront each other but confirm the truthfulness of one the other. Therefore, a good heart is always a wise heart and the other way around. A wise heart is always a good heart. So to cultivate the faith of God in your heart and to maintain good soil in your heart is the personal responsibility of each believer and personal calling of each believer, as it is written Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. It's clear that in this situation, this parable is addressed exclusively to the category of people that possess a wise heart, because only from the wise heart can springs of life flow. As it is written, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit, whom those... Be those believing in him would receive John 7:38-39 for the holy spirit was not yet given because jesus was not yet glorified <clears throat> 
When Jesus will be glorified, he will be glorified with his resurrection. When he resurrects and enters into heaven, then he can send the Holy Spirit. That's what. If a person will not cultivate the faith of his heart and keep his heart from the entry of any rebellious thoughts, he will experience shipwreck in his faith and will stain his conscience with sin. And then instead of cultivating their, the faith of cultivating your faith in the soil of your heart, we will be forced to eat bread in the sweat of our face and cultivate the earth from which we were taken that will grow briars and thorns until the, we return to the land from which we were brought. And here's what happened with Adam, Genesis 3, 17 through 22. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you. Who is our wife? This is our flesh. The wife was taken from the bone. Who is our wife? Men and women alike. Who is your wife? The wife is your flesh, yourself. It wants to corrupt the word of God. It does not want eat to eat of every tree. It does not want to eat of the tree of life. It wants to wants glory. It wants God, to be God. It strives to take the position of God within you. It they say, well, this is not how uh, we understand these things. People sometimes read the scriptures, and we don't know how where people get such interpretations. Uh, we don't even know where they would come up with it. But they say, we don't understand it this way. But how can you understand it differently? There's only one. If drunkards and fornicators inherit it uh, hell, they say, well, we don't understand it that way. Uh, Drunkards, no, but fornicators, yes, they say. God knows my heart. God sees my needs. Uh, they say, God created me this way. I can't take it or hold myself back. Uh, today in a lot of churches, it's accepted to have lovers and from your own church. And they say this is normal. I, I told you the story once when I came to the church, I went to work. When I just came to America and I went to work and a person recognized that I was Christian and another, that man was also a Christian. He was so happy that I was Christian. He said, I sing in, in my choir in my church and I'm, I'm a musician and an attractive lady uh, shows up uh, while we're talking and she's a little bit older and I asked him what who's this woman and he said this is my girlfriend and I said what do you mean girlfriend I understood that a girlfriend was a, a lover and I said why aren't you marrying her but he, he said she has a, a husband but I asked does her husband know that you're with her and he, he said yes uh, he knows and I say, what, you say you're a Christian? You're a Pentecostal uh, uh, deacon, as you say. How can you do this? It's written in Scripture. You can't do this. And he said, where is it written? I, I showed him, and he said, and he, he actually became afraid. He asked me, what do I do? And I said, you need to repent. You can't be with this woman. Uh, and you need to tell, tell this other man, why is he allowing his wife to be with you. What, 
The sister of my wife was in another church. And they offered to her, you're, you're lonely. There, we have brothers. You could be a girlfriend and, a bo- and, and you can have a boyfriend. She, she couldn't believe they would offer her such a thing. But why am I saying all this? That today, there's not just drunkards. They say, well, we don't understand things the way they're written. It's not, just, it's not with the world that I'm doing these things, but with our own in the church. That's how they defend their, their ways. Uh, uh, gays and lesbians say the same thing. I don't have many partners. I only have one partner. If, if, if John, uh, Jesus was able to uh, have sexual relations with John or other, and I said, where did you get this information? He was telling me this information. And I wanted to find out what they believe in. And they say, and he, he says, yes, we have gays and lesbians. We, we accept them as members of the church, of the community. God created them this way. And I asked him, what kind of children? Uh, do you have children? And, and uh, he said, yes, I have two daughters. And I asked him, do you want your daughters to be lesbians? He said, no. Then I said, why are you interpreting this, this way? What filthy thoughts uh, come into your mind, I said. How do you? Uh, how can you interpret the word like this? Uh, this is listening to the voice of the wife in this situation. Uh, because you listened, heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. <clears throat> This person is cursed. Uh, the ground is cursed. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and th- thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. We wait for go- the good fruit. We, we, we plant and it, and it yields something different. We confess and we receive. But nothing happens. We're the same. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are and dust you shall return. He was a, 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 uh, Adam was a uh, was creative. God created him that way. He did not need to work uh, in the sweat of his face. Um, and he said, instead of turning, uh, you shall not turn into the image of God, but into to dust you will return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve. And the fruit he had from Eve was a person of the flesh. This was not spiritual fruit, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunic of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out of out that man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of eden and flamed swords which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life genesis 3 18 through 17 through 24 and some ask why did guy god become afraid he didn't become afraid for himself god became afraid for adam that if he does do this he will transform into that image of that serpent god did not want him to perish he wanted to save him the fallen uh, adam and he saved him by giving his son as a sacrifice and so the uh, garments that he god clothed them into were of animal skins and for that animal needed to die 
as a symbol of the death of Christ. We need to understand in what way we can uh, till cultivate the faith of God in our spirit. Don't listen to your flesh. Don't follow what it what it re, uh, requests. Third component in keeping and increasing our faith in the faith of God provides for us leaving and rejecting our previous hope for the means of serving our existence. We hope that I'm working, this is the money, this is mine, but what if suddenly they remove the program or the job that you have? What will I live on? That means your hope is still in your money and your job, not upon God. But for us, for our faith to grow, we need to leave that hope upon the means we have that we by which we exist. Luke 5, 1 through 11. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, he didn't know who he was at the moment, he, just a rabbi comes, as what Simon saw was this, a rabbi came and asked him to sit in his boat. So he did. This was uh, <clears throat> and so uh, Simon Peter he did this for him and Jesus was teaching from that boat when he had stopped speaking he said to Simon launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch but Simon answered and said to him master we have toiled all night and caught nothing nevertheless at your word I will let down the net he didn't have any faith he did obey faith is obedience and you don't need to feel and so he in the way that he obeyed he did express faith as Naaman if you remember he didn't believe but he obeyed and because he obeyed it happened and when he had bathed in the river if you remember uh, he became uh, well again <clears throat> and when they had done this they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink when Simon Peter saw it he fell down at Jesus knees saying depart from me for I am a sinful man O Lord for he, he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, and the son, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Mm. And so again, this is Simon and James and John. They all, all followed after him. This was, they, they, he said, leave everything you have. This doesn't mean we have to leave our job, but inside we need to uh, reorient orient, uh, or change uh, what we hope upon. It is not the job that we have or whatever happens in this world. You are kings and priests of God. God is your provider. He will never forget you and you will always be provided for and you always have a covering over you. Hope upon the Lord and trust in Him and your faith will increase. Amen. Let us bend our knees and pray, however who is comfortable.
for, and let's pray for and thank him for the word that we have today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we worship before you upon this place that you have appointed to praise your name where you desire to be and upon this place, not only upon this place, but also in our hearts. People who come here for one purpose, and that is to elevate your word, to place it above all your name. When you have placed your word, your name, the living word above all your names, your living, your word, you became a servant of your own word. You did the great miracle for us that you became a servant of your own word. And now we can trust upon your word because you are a servant of it as well. You will fulfill it and nothing will stand in your way of fulfilling it. You want this faith that you are the Lord of your word and that you can fulfill it. You will fulfill it and nothing will stand in your way. Only our unbelief and our disobedience. But for us, for our faith to grow, we need to prepare the soil of our heart. We don't need to corrupt your word, twist it, or pervert it. Receive it as it is and honor your order, your theocracy, to be able to thank you and praise you, to be understanding of one the other and forgive one the other and ask forgiveness. We... Uh, in our eyes may still be imperfect but in your eyes we are perfect when we are obedient to your word and ask forgiveness when we have offended another when we have done wrong and then you bless us and you leave us as righteous you keep us as righteous you hold us as righteous and the tree of life grows in us and it becomes so great that your revelations can cover within its branches and we become carriers of your urim and your thummim and then you begin to treat us as you treat the holy spirit then anyone who will touch us touch the apple of your eye anyone who touches us is cursed and who blesses us is blessed we thank you for this promise we receive it in accordance to your words and may your mercy be blessed for your people may those who bless your people be blessed and those who curse it be cursed in accordance to your words we worship before you our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty 
dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.